I am Stephen James Peterson, and this is the Raven Rising Podcast. Today's guest, an up-and-coming, fast-moving star by the name of Bobby Barajas. Get ready, people. There's so much going on here. Let's do it. Bobby, what's going on? (laughs) I'm so glad to have you join me on here. And part of the reason why is, man, you are really living it. You are definitely one of the, you know, key generation people at your age that is really proving a lot of points that I believe in. Um, But before I get too far into that, let's tell people who you are and what you're up to. Yeah, yeah. Well, my name is, uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on here. I uh, Just in the short time that I've been talking with you and kind of picking your brain and learning from you, I mean, you have an amazing uh, sense of wisdom about you and just so many golden nuggets that I know that we've talked about before us jumping on today. And it's going to be exciting kind of exploring that avenue with you. And um, yeah, I've been, I've been listening to a couple of podcasts that you've done previous and, and they're incredible. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, if you're listening to Steven and his channel and it's, uh, you're going to get some, some amazing nuggets. So I'm, I'm blessed to be on here. Thanks for so much for having me. Well, uh, anyways, I guess, you know, my name is Bobby Barajas. I'm from the, uh, the central coast of California. Um, I live in a small community called Shell Beach. Um, lived here for almost a couple of years now and, um, yeah, grew up down the road, uh, a small town by the name of Santa Maria. And, uh, I'm, you know, I, I don't know if I should say my age, but, uh, I'm a younger millennial entrepreneur, I like to say, and, and, uh, I've taken, <laughs> I, you're, you're allowed to out yourself on age here. I don't think, <laughs> I mean, actually, if anything, that'll help a lot of people that are closer to your age. Cause uh-huh. you know, I'm 43, so they're probably going to be like, man, I'm so far away. But the truth is, like, you have figured out some massively important things at your age. And so it's really important that people that may be close to you for age hear, you know, who you are, what you, I mean, for age and everything and what you've learned, because th- there isn't an age barrier here. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I'm, uh, I'm 28. Now that's, it doesn't sound too young, but in the business world and the people that I hang out with and, and the people that I learn from, like you said, I mean, a lot of those people, it takes years and years and years to really develop the wisdom and to live what they preach and to have the experience. I mean, we're talking 35, 40, 45, 50 years old. And so, um, yeah, I'm fortunate to have been open-minded and been such a sponge the last couple of years where I feel like I can, you know, speak that language. And so I think that's one of the most important things anyone can realize is, especially the younger generation, especially, I mean, with technology these days, I mean, kids at 17, 18, 19 years old are able to connect with people all over the world. They have access to all of the mentorship and leadership and the Tony Robbins and the Robert Kiyosaki's and Gary Vaynerchuk's and Grant Cardone's and stuff like that. And, and it's just amazing talking with such young entrepreneurs. And um, yeah, so 
Uh, I like to think of myself as a little bit younger, but still, I mean, I have a few years, <laughs> a few years um, where I've actually seen things in real life and, and been able to experience them. So, um, but yeah, that's me in a nutshell. You know, I really, what really, really jumped out at me was when you started explaining where you started from and how you learned that there's a different path than what everybody else in the planet sells you. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear more about that again. Yeah. Yeah. That is probably, I, I'm a, this is what I believe. I believe that everyone's life is compiled of just a few moments um, where that direction, you know, uh, meter changes. Something will happen in your life where um, your thought process changes and opportunities come in and you might, you know, take one of those and it might lead you in a different direction. And for me, when I was 21, probably the biggest paradigm shift happened with, with my mindset and the way the world works and the way money works. And so I'll give you, I'll back up a little bit. Um, growing up, I, uh, I was a very competitive person. I grew up in sports. My mom and dad uh, were very supportive of my sister and I. And, and they said, listen, frankly, we're going to have you in sports because if you're not doing sports, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to do the drugs and you're going to do all this kind of stuff. So you need to play, you, you need to be in sports and keep your mind right and, and go to school and do sports. And so um, from day one, I mean, since I was like five, and I'm so fortunate enough to have parents like I did. Uh, I know not a lot of people have parents like I did, but um, just know that my parents were kind of like my mentors growing up. And, and so you can always grab a mentor if you didn't have parents like this. But they always said, listen, Bobby, I don't care if you do basketball, baseball, football, golf. I don't care if you're a cheerleader. You can do whatever you want. But if you are doing it, you need to be doing it at 100%. Otherwise, you're going to waste your time and you're going to waste everyone around you's time. And so from day one, it was like, you know, it was that 100%. Whatever I did, I had to be – I didn't have to be the best like the, from an arrogant standpoint, but I had to always strive to be the best. And I think that was one of the greatest gifts that I was given as a kid. I didn't know it at the time, but it was, it was truly a blessing. So um, growing up, I always had that mentality, whether I was very big in sports, you know, baseball, basketball, football, golf. And I grew up in, in just the normal society. My parents were very blue collar. They're very, um, you know, it's very noble to work 12 hours a day. And um, I was raised by both my grandparents, like during the mornings when they worked and they would get off and, and um, you know, we, I, we would spend time together in the evenings and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I was raised, go to school, you know, get a good job. You need a, uh, you need an education to get a job. And, you know, once you're in the job, then, you know, my competitiveness and my inner burning desire to be great, that will naturally climb me up the ladder. And, you know, after putting in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, I can get the nice big house and have the family and the white picket fence and my 401k and retirement and all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, yeah, I thought, I thought that was it. I thought that was kind of life. I didn't know anything else. And that was, you know, looking back, you don't know what you don't know. And that's, that's one of the biggest barriers of people today is they think that they have it all figured out because they just kind of go with the norm and they look to their right and they look to their left and everyone's kind of going in the same direction. So they're like, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm doing it right. And, and then they see someone doing it different and they're like, well, that guy's an outcast. Like he just wants to be different. Like what a loser, right? He's not like us. Let's just keep going with the normal, with the fish, with the herd. 
and they ultimately, I mean, they shoot themselves in the foot because they just don't know what they don't know. And, um, when I was, so I, I graduated high school and I went to college. I went to uh, long beach state here in California and, uh, I graduated after, you know, four and a half years and, and, um, man, I was, I was for the first, okay. You have to imagine this every single season, baseball season, basketball season. I always knew that next came baseball. Next came basketball. I got to get ready for this. I got to get ready for eighth grade. I got to get ready for high school. I got to get, I, I knew I was going to college when I was five years old. My parents were like, you're going to college. Right. And so I always knew what was next. And mm-hmm. when I graduated college, I was lost. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And, um, I was, I was lost. I was, I was, uh, you know, there was so many things out there. Things were running a million miles an hour. And for the first time in my life, there was not someone there to tell me, okay, now you're going to do this. It was all up to me. And I, oh my gosh, that was a scary moment. And luckily, luckily I had someone, a close family friend, and he was in the business world. I had, you know, when I hear business, when I was that age, it was more like suit and tie and owning your own brick and mortar, owning your own restaurant and and kind of being the boss and you know, the big rich with the nice car. And, and I was like, I could never, I could never do that. Like normally you see they're 40, 50, 60 years old and, and, you know, they kind of stand out and they're kind of strong and, and they tell everyone what to do and, Oh, don't, don't, don't do that. You're going to make the boss mad like that kind of guy. And, and I didn't know how to do something like that. So um, luckily I had someone in business who gave me a book. He <laughs> he gave me this book and he's like, dude, Bobby, I know you, I know your competitiveness, I know your mind, I know your desire, I know your, you have big goals and big dreams, because I had always wanted to be a professional baseball player, and then a professional uh, PGA golfer, and like, I never wanted to settle, right, and he, he understood that, and when, you, when you're in business and you have that mentality, like, the sky's the limit, right, so uh-huh. he was like, look, you have the skills to be incredible at whatever you do, right, and business is just a platform for you to spread your wings. And so he gave me this book and I looked at him. I'll never forget. I looked at him and I'm thinking to myself, man, I, I kind of got through my whole education kind of winging it almost like it was easy for me. Right. I didn't, I'm, I'm not the one who spent eight hours a night at homework. And, you know, I, I, I kind of weaseled my way through and it was kind of easy and I never had to really read anything. And, and like, I wasn't that guy. I wasn't like the straight A guy. I kind of just went through school. Like, if I had an assignment, I would do it or I would weasel my way by like I would <laughs> kind of do the bare minimum. Right. And so um, just because it never really interested me. So it was just I kind of did it as a chore and, and and really not to make my parents mad. I mean, I, they set the bar where, you know, so anyways, he gave me this book. <laughs> he gave me this book and he said he said, I want you to read it. And um, I, I thought to myself, man, I had never read a book in my life. No, actually, I read one book. And it was the Island of the Blue Dolphins in fourth grade. Because, and I didn't want to get spanked because if I came home with a C on my report card, my parents were going to spank me. And so I was like, I'll read the stupid book. I'll do the book report, whatever. And that was the only book I had ever read from cover to cover. I hated reading, right? I'm a very visual person. I like to listen to things. I don't like to read, right? So he gave me the book and I laughed. I go, dude, you realize I've never read a book in my whole life, right? Other than fourth grade. And he goes, trust me. He goes, trust me. If you've ever trust me with anything, just trust me. And he gives me the book. And the book was called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Nice. 
And I literally, I, I, I didn't read it for like three days. Like I didn't open it for three days. And, and I, I was working at his restaurant with him when I graduated college. He owned a little pizza place and I would cook with him and I would cook pizzas and stuff. And he's a close family friend. Um, and he's like, Hey, every time I came in, Hey, you read that book yet? No, 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 no. I give excuses here and there. Right. <laughs> and so finally he's like, dude, do not come back to work unless you read this book. And so <laughs> I, I, I opened, That's I awesome. finally, yeah, I opened the page. I, I started reading the book and, um, I couldn't put it down. I read one chapter and I, I literally would sit there for hours and just read and read and read. And like, I didn't want to put it down. It was so, it was so foreign to me. It was like a, a kid on Christmas. It was like a, I don't a kid in a candy shop. I just, I started, my brain was just firing on all different things. And Robert Kiyosaki was talking about, you know, uh, not trading your time for money and, and profits are better than wages and different ways of making money and what normal people, how they trade their time for money and, and how, you know, the successful people like that's impossible to do stuff like that. And in, in order to, to get rich or to, you know, what the rich teach their kids and what the poor teach their kids and the cash flow quadrant and, there's, I mean, there's so much stuff in this book. And my, I mean, I could not put it down. I ended up finishing it in like two days and um, it completely changed my life. That was the moment where my life completely changed forever. And uh, it was the best thing I've ever done looking back as far as the professional world or, or my career or, or knowing. It was the first time in my life when I really knew what my purpose was. I didn't know what I wanted to do with business, but I knew that business was for me. And I knew that there was nothing else on the planet that would fulfill my soul as much as being in business. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. So what did that grow into for you? Oh man. So the first thing that I did, um, and, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit, you know, a couple months after I read that book. Um, so I, I, it was almost like, it was almost like I was blind and now I could see out of one eye. I could kind of see like, oh my gosh, there's, there's opportunities every single day that pass me by and I didn't even notice them before. And now I do. And, you know, we hear everyone complaining in the world, right? And, you know, you fall into that. You kind of like, oh, you know, I wish this was that and traffic and this and blah, 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 blah. Well, mm -hmm. an entrepreneur, uh, what an entrepreneur does is they see those complaints and instead of complaining themselves, they figure out a solution for that complaint. And that's what business is really. It's really just solutions to people's problems in the world making it easier for people and then making making money off of it instead of trading your time for money. And so I started noticing these opportunities and I started, you know, going about my normal day and hear complaints and this and that. And, 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 um, what I did, my first entrepreneurial business, if you will, was I started an eBay store and, um, I opened up my eBay store and I had no idea what I was doing. I, you know, I, went to Google and I said, you know, what, what is eBay or, or, you know, how do you run an eBay store and all this kind of stuff. And, and I'm, you know, when I'm passionate about something, I'm very resourceful. And I think everyone is when you're passionate about something, it, it, it no longer becomes, I can't, it becomes, how can I? And that, you know, that, that right there alone is a different mindset that most people don't operate with. It's like, you know, I can't afford it. No, it's how can I afford it? And Robert Kiyosaki's big on that kind of stuff. But anyways, I started an eBay store and I remember I, I was a substitute teacher. My mom's a teacher. So when I graduated college, she goes, you're not living underneath. I, I moved back home. I had nothing holding me in. in uh, I was working at a golf course over there. I had nothing holding me there. Uh, to, I wasn't deeply rooted. So I came home, uh, moved back in with mom and dad and, she said, you're not living underneath this roof without a job. So 
uh, you need to go get a job. And so she's a teacher and she, and, and then she, we sat down and, and she's like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I have no idea what I want to do. Right. So she's like, well, you'd be really good at teaching. You'd be, you, you know, you, you should be a substitute teacher. It's not too hard to, you know, pass that test and you can start making money and you could figure out whatever you want to do after that. Well, during this time I was, I was uh, reading that book and, and working a little bit with my friend as a restaurant. And so I opened an eBay store and it was perfect. And I probably get in trouble if anyone uh, is listening to this, but while I was a substitute teacher, you know, you would take role and normally you'd put on a movie and all that kind of stuff. And, <laughs> and so while people were watching the movie or while they were doing some sort of studying for a test coming up at the end of the week or whatever, I would be back there on the computer. Of course, none of the students could see the computer, but I'd be on the computer and I would have my eBay store open and I would be kind of searching around and doing research and doing this and doing that. And, and so I had, a, you know, I had my bills paid with the, with the school but then I also was letting my brain fire with my eBay store. And so I will never forget this. This is another aha moment that I had. This is the first time that business became real for me. Um, I remember one time I, uh, I saved up from working. I saved up 350 bucks. And to me, that was a lot of money back then, right? That's, you know. And so I saved up 350 bucks. I went to a liquidation site. I think it was liquidation.com. Um, and I purchased a bulk or I mean bulk, right? I purchased two items in the same order. Um, and it was a, I'll never forget. It was a flip video camera, like a camcorder mm -hmm. and then, yep. and then a Canon, uh, normal camera, like a photography camera. And I purchased them both with, with 350 bucks and they came to my house and I was so excited. And I knew that I was going to, I was going to order them and then I was going to relist them on eBay for a little bit more. And I was just going to kind of see what the process was like. So I, so the, the package came in, I'm super excited. I open it up and I, I take a picture of these cameras, ironically enough, right? I take a picture. <laughs> I take a picture of these cameras and, and I had no idea what I was doing like with the listing. So I just went on and I researched the same camera and I, you know, copied their, their little headline and I put it up and I copied the description and I put it up and I, and I listed it on eBay. And it probably took me about 15 minutes from when the bot, when I opened the box to when the, the cameras were listed on eBay. And mm -hmm. um, I'll never forget about 30 minutes later, both of the cameras sold. And I turned, <laughs> I turned my 350 bucks into $700 in about 15 minutes of work. And Beautiful. I thought to myself, I said, that just took me 30 minutes. What took me 30 minutes of work for 350 bucks is the same thing at working almost a whole two weeks or week at, as a teacher trading my time for money. And that's, yep. and that's when it hit me. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> what he's talking about. Well, that's what Robert Kiyosaki is talking about is, the rich or the wealthy or, you know, people who own their own time or financially free, they do not trade their time for money. And I was like, Oh, that's what he's talking about. And my mind just, my mind just went crazy. And I just, I bought up everything. I, and I, you know, that, that's the story. I, I started getting into consumer electronics. I was selling, uh, cell phone uh, cords and headphones and Bluetooth pieces and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And that was, that was my entrepreneurial beginning right there. And that was about seven years ago. So. Nice. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to throw a quick break in here and then we'll come right back. And 
you've set the stage perfectly for you to be able to grow into what I know that you're going to talk to next. So I'm going to throw the break in here and we'll be right back. And we are back with Bobby Barajas. Hey, so you just laid out like the perfect segue for you to get into the things that matter to you. Talking about the Robert Kiyosaki trading time for money in your first eBay store. So I just want you to keep rocketing from there. Perfect. Perfect. Um, Yeah. Well, that's um, so I I went forward with my eBay store and then I I started exploring Amazon. I did um, at that time, Amazon FBA had just like kind of caught my attention um, and so I was looking at Amazon and, you know, when I get passionate about something, I get very, uh, obsessed with it. And so I was looking at everything. I wanted to buy everything and, and flip it and do this and do that. And I realized that I was just, it was, I was playing too small. I, I was trading, you know, I was doubling pennies. I was doubling dollars sort of a thing. And I wanted to play a little bit bigger. I wanted to go faster. And so I, I really, I just didn't want to have a job. So I wanted to be able to make enough money to support myself in business versus uh, as a substitute teacher. So what I did was my dad, uh, he loves cars and specifically he loves BMWs. So uh, he loves to work on them. He, you know, he does all kinds of stuff. And so what we did was I said, Hey, listen, um, and I didn't even know this, but my dad used to be a day trader. And so his mind is very like, kind of business oriented still um, Mm -hmm. to this day. But the problem with him is he had me at a young age, him and my mom had me at a young age, and then they had my sister. And my dad's the kind of guy where even though he's probably the smartest guy in the room, you'll never know it. um, He always puts his family first. And so he's been at Costco for like the last, I don't know, 30 years, pretty much. And it, it really, I know he loves what he does. But I know it wasn't his true, true passion. I know he put that so, or he got into that so that he could provide for his family. And he's, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I'll I'll always thank him for that. Uh, But he's a very smart guy. And so when we started, when I told him about Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I told him about business and profits are better than wages and time leverage and all this kind of stuff. He was like, he kind of looked at me and he smiled and he goes, he goes, boy, I've been learning about that stuff for the last 20 years. And so it was kind of refreshing to be able to have conversations like that with him. And uh, so we got into uh, buying and selling cars, uh, specifically BMWs, because you could buy a BMW kind of for cheap, especially if there's a little bit wrong with it, because most people don't know how to work on BMWs. And um, you could fix it up, you could do a little bit, and you could turn a pretty decent profit. The problem with that is that without, and we, we found this, without the correct licensing, um, I think California only lets you buy and sell like six vehicles a year. So we kind of hit a wall, you know, we we got into like, okay, well, it's going to start being illegal. So kind of shady and and our family doesn't really pride itself on, uh, you know, kind of being the shady. We like to do things right. So Mm -hmm. uh, I I hit a wall. I, even though I was making good profits on the BMWs, there's only so many that I can do. And so, um, I actually got pretty familiar with selling, uh, with, you know, kind of naturally with people in private party and Craigslist and stuff like that. And, at that time, I had a, another good friend of the family. Uh, I probably have, you know, I, I had a close, close cousin, a little bit, any, um, 
he lived with us and and uh, the, all these friends that I'm talking about the guy who gave me rich dad poor dad the guy who recruited me into what I'm about to talk about um they're all his friends I met them through him so I really owe everything to him but um this next guy he was from the car dealership and he worked at our local car dealership and every time he would see me out I mean we were all sports players and we would kind of play men's league basketball together and we would just stay active together. And every single time he saw me, he's like, dude, you know, when are you going to come work for me? When are you going to come work for me? Like, when are, <laughs> when are you going to do that? Like, like, dude, you're going to make a killing. You'll make a lot of money. You'll do this. You're a natural. You'll do this. And, and I'm like, oh, there is no way, no how I would ever be a car salesman. Like, I don't want to be that guy, right? And so <laughs> finally, finally, they had a training. They had a training coming up. They, you know, this dealership that this guy worked at, he, um, every three months they had a training and uh, everything was in alignment. You know, I was frustrated with uh, substitute teaching. I was, I was doing a lot of transaction on eBay, but I was making pennies on the dollar. Um, I couldn't sell BMWs anymore. And then this training came up and he caught me at the exact right time. And he's like, trust me, if you come with me, I'll never let you fail. And with what you want, because he knew I wanted to be in business. He knew I wanted to own my own stuff. And he goes, with what you want to do, you're going to need to learn this stuff anyways. And so I was like, okay, fine, fine you know, I'll come, I'll do it with you. And um, I told him straight up, I said, listen, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Just know that. And just know that as soon as I stop learning and you stop teaching me, I'm probably, it's not going to be too far after that, that I'm gone. No offense, but I just want to come learn what you do. Cause I'm going to need to know it for the rest of my life anyways. And um, side note, I really think that every single person who graduates either high school or college should go work at a car dealership for at least one year. And oh, it's, that, that's the truth. <laughs> I think it should be mandatory. It should be like senior year, like a senior project. Like you got to go work at a car dealership. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I went to go work at the local, uh, local car dealership. I worked at a, a dealership. It was called Toyota of Santa Maria. And um, it was absolutely incredible. It was, it was not anything that I thought it was going to be. The training was incredible. The people were incredible. The management was awesome. I learned more in that year and a half or two years, however long I was there, more than about sales, about finance, about negotiations. I mean, we're talking, think about a person who, who you know, they come to see a car, they get out of their car in the parking lot and you come up and right before you say, hi, how are you? Or you know, you introduce yourself. They're like, no, I don't want to talk to you. Get out of here. I hate you. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh my gosh, like you are the most hated person on the planet. And, <laughs> and like, I, I had to deal with that every single day. So when I was in the moment, it sucked. And trust me when I tell you that if something could have been screwed up at that car dealership, whether it be paperwork, whether it be uh, registration, whether it be negotiation or numbers or payment in the first six months, I screwed it all up. Like I was that guy who just screwed up everything. I caused, I caused <laughs> so many headaches for people. It was, it was ridiculous, but I'm also the guy that never screws up twice in the same thing. And I told my manager that I said, listen, he, he, and he would, he would mentor me and he would pull me and he'd be like, listen, I know you're having a rough time. I know you, you've probably cost the dealership thousands of dollars on this deal and this deal and this deal. And he's like, just, just don't let it happen again. You know, don't, don't, mm -hmm don't let it keep happening. And, and I never let it happen twice. And I think that's really important is uh, to remember your mistakes and learn from them. And so that kind of taught me that route. And um, yeah, I, I, I sold cars for about a year and a half. I was never the best. Um, I, uh, you know, I just learned everything I learned is I just was a sponge. I learned as much as I possibly could. 
Um, I learned about myself. I learned how <laughs> emotionally weak I was. I mean, some days I'd sell three cars in one day and then I'd go three weeks without selling a car and talk about a complete end of the opposite end of the spectrum there. I mean, you oh, go yeah. from, you go from on top of the world to wanting to jump off a cliff and you're like, Oh it, it, my yeah, gosh. Yeah. Where you're like, man, I killed it. And then you're like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, um, I remember, uh, I remember about a year and a half. And um, I'm sitting at my desk and um, I, and at this point I, I had no idea what residual income was or passive income was really by, uh, by the way, I thought the only way you can get that type of income was from real estate and rental properties and, and stuff like that. Um, so I wasn't there yet. I couldn't afford that kind of stuff yet. And um, I remember sitting there and I remember it was like the first day of the month. And it was, I think it was in like a February, uh, it was like February 1st. And I remember in January, um, I had busted my butt the whole month long and I had just missed like a, a promotion or, or a, um, a bonus or something like that. And I remember sitting there and I just felt like I was defeated because after, I don't know if you know this, but at the end of every month at a dealership, the very next day, the start of the new month, every, every slate is wiped clean. You got to start all over. Back to zero. Back to zero. And it's transactional income. Yeah, you can make a lot of money. Um, and it's great. You learn a lot. Um, but at the end of the day, and you have to think about this too. Or I was thinking about this. At the end of the day, this is why I didn't stay. I loved everything. I love the people. I love the product. I love the mentorship. I love the paychecks. I love all that kind of stuff. But And then I thought to myself, even if I was the Michael Jordan of selling cars, it would never allow me to live the life that I ultimately wanted to live. And mm -hmm. that was a huge, um, a, a huge moment for me. Be and, and it really kind of deflated my sales when, or uh, my, yeah, when, when, when you're sitting there and, and for the people who are listening to this, um, there's not a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it, but, but whatever you're doing right now, and this is what I tell people, it doesn't matter what you do. If you love what you do, you're good at what you do, stay at what you're doing. But if you sit there and for, for whatever reason, if you really think about your life and what you truly, truly want out of life, what the perfect scenario looks like for you. And if you're willing to get it, a lot of people have big dreams, but they're not willing to sacrifice to get it, which is, I get Yeah, that's, that's, that's the truth. Yeah. But if you, if, if you create that picture for yourself and if whatever you're doing right now cannot deliver on your perfect outcome, you have to do something. You, you don't have to quit. You have to figure out how to do something else also. You have to, you have to be resourceful, whether that be a part-time eBay business, an Amazon business, a, a network marketing company, a, you know, something. Because at the end of the day, I think that everyone deserves it. As long as they're willing to put in the work, as long as they stay committed, I think everyone deserves to live the life that they ultimately want to live. I, I've, you know, I believe that we have one chance at this. And if, if we're not always striving to be where we always want to be, I think that, you know, a lot of time in between the cracks uh, or fall in between the cracks. And then before you know it, you snap your fingers and, and uh, you know, now you're losing your health and you're losing your family. You're losing, you know, people are, you know, and, and then you're just filled with regret. I wish I would have mm -hmm. done something sooner. And so I was sitting at the car dealership and um, I thought, you know, even if I was the Michael Jordan at doing this, I would ultimately not, it would not provide on my perfect career on my perfect life on what I wanted out of life. And so, um, I was, I was pretty much checked out. I went to my, the guy who brought me on and, and I said, Hey, you know, 
I'm feeling like this. I just, you know, I feel like I've learned so much and I'm so appreciative and so thankful. And I'm literally like on the verge of tears because I've been with these people. You know, when you work at a car dealership, you're working 12, 14 hours a day, six, seven days a week. I mean, it's a grind. It's a hustle. And when you're with more time with your coworkers and with your, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I, I felt like everyone was a brother and sister to me in there and they were so nice and it was amazing. I was truly, truly blessed to be at that dealership. And, um, and so I was on the verge of tears. I was like, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty much done. I mean, do I have to put in my two weeks or how does that work? And he, he looked at me, he goes, he's like, well, it doesn't really work like that at a car dealership. Right. So you just kind of are gone. You just leave. And, um, but yeah, he's like, I could kind of sense the last couple of days you were kind of feeling, um, kind of topped out. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, and that was it. I left and I, that was, that was another scary moment for me because I, again, right after college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had a little bit of money saved, but it wasn't like hundreds of thousands. Right. And, um, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just knew that my heart wasn't there anymore. And so I left and that was scary. And I, uh, I went home and I lived with like four, four guys and, and, um, you know, it was kind of like a, a college house sort of, we had a whole bunch of stuff and, and I would literally, uh, I was checked out. I, I sat on the couch for like two weeks and I watched every Netflix episode <laughs> ever. I had no, I was lost. I was like, I was so, my, my batteries were so spent that I just needed a break. And, mm-hmm. um, I just did a lot of thinking and a lot of reflecting and kind of what I wanted to do. And, and, um, yeah. And then, and then, you know, I said, okay, well, what am I good at? And, uh, you know, what can I do next? And well, I'm good at selling cars and I'm good with people and I'm good at negotiations and I'm good at this and good at that and sales and, and this. And, and, um, and so I decided to go for it. I decided to start my own business, uh, really my own real business. Um, and I started an auto broker company. I was now helping people buy and sell their cars cause I knew how to do that with the car business. And that was what I was good at. And I, you know, it, I could mix my passion of, of being in my own business, being my own boss and mix my skills of the cars together. And that's what I did. And I partnered with my roommate <laughs> and uh, that's what we did. We did that for about two years and it was, it was great. And then uh, a new opportunity came by with the relationships that I made all along the way, uh, a new opportunity presented itself and, um, yeah, that it, it complete, it was another aha moment for me when I, when I met some relationships and, and I have a feeling our, our time's almost up. We might have to go to a little break and we yeah, will we'll take it. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about that, how my life changed again, uh, with relationships that I came upon within my auto broker company. Perfect. Perfect. Let me throw the break in here and we'll be right back. We are back. Okay. All right. You want me to, you want me to, I'll, I'll I'll pick up where I left off. How does that sound? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you had just finished talking about the brokering and now you're moving into the next stage. Definitely. Definitely. So, um, I did an auto broker company for about two years. It was called car cadets. It was, um, at the time it was really cool because I had never heard of anything like that. Like, Oh, you know, we help people buy their cars. Um, 
at the dealership as a broker because I knew how to buy cars because I would sell them and I knew the right things to say to the car dealership guy. And, and then my roommate, uh, my business partner, um, he enjoyed selling cars on Craigslist and I had background with that with my dad. So, uh, but he loved that. He loved doing stuff like that. So um, what we would do is uh, he would like a customer would want to buy a car, right? So they'd have a car and normally they would trade it into the dealership. Um, and there's no secret. The dealership gives you a little bit less money than probably what the car is worth if you were to do it. But people just out of convenience, they don't want to do, you know, clean it and, and put it on Craigslist and, and drive their car around with strangers and all that kind of stuff. So they would call me, they would call me and they would say, Hey, you know, I'm looking to get out of this one and, and into, or get out of this one and into that one. And so I would handle the broker side. And as soon as I had that lined up, um, most of the time, my business partner, uh, would have their car sold on Craigslist and it was like a clean swap for them. And they were the, the happiest people ever. Um, the problem was, is we pretty much had to design everything brand new. We were like the first people to really kind of do that where I lived. Um, there was that process didn't exist. And looking back, it was, it was a lot of fun. I met a ton of people. Um, but I, I had to reinvent the wheel. Really. I had to start from fresh. I had to there's so many things that, that didn't exist for us that we had to come up with. And um, it was kind of a pain. It was, I mean, dealing with all the back end stuff of not only business, we're talking insurance, we're talking liability, we're talking, uh, you know, all the paperwork to open up like a corporation and taxes and like, like the, all that stuff I didn't really have to deal with with the eBay store or selling cars at the dealership. And it was kind of annoying, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And, and then on the, the actual business side of like the customers, I mean, we had to deal with a whole bunch of stuff. Like imagine being a real estate agent, but for cars, right? There's only so many houses that someone could look at, but there are a lot of cars people can look mm -hmm. at. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, so yeah, it was, it was fun. It was great. I met a lot of people but but then i thought to myself i mean for what i wanted out of life it this could deliver on my perfect career but it probably would have taken 10 to 15 to 20 years and i i just wanted to go faster i wanted to and at the end of the day i don't think my passion um aligned with the car business i think that i was good um i could handle it i loved people but at the end of the day it didn't really touch my heart as much as i knew something could and so um, it kind of fizzled out a little bit. I mean, um, but not before I met some very, very important people. And so I'll tell you the story of, of how my next venture got started. So um, we got into our car cadet business and we started doing Facebook ads. We started, um, you know, recording ourselves of commercials and then, and then targeting people on the central coast where I live and, and certain types of people that were looking to buy and sell their cars. And one of the people that uh, we targeted was a, an old family friend. He was my dad's good golfing buddy. Little known fact, he actually gave me my very first set of golf clubs. And he's a, he's a local entrepreneur here on the, on the Central Coast. And uh, he comes from the ag business. So he's owned his own ag business and he owns a construction company and he owns real estate. He's just this successful guy. And um, he calls me up one day and he goes, hey, I just, I just saw your commercial uh, for car cadets. Are you still doing car cadets? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I'll come out. And, you know, I come out to his house and he lives in the nicer neighborhood. And I come out and, and I, I'm appraising his Escalade. And, um, you know, he wants to get rid of this. And, and I start selling it for him. And, and you know, we, we'd go through our whole process. And um, it, during this whole time, he calls me one day and he says, hey, I want to go to lunch. Now, we had talked about our car business to him and he has a lot of money and 
when he when you get a call from someone like this and say, hey, I want to go to lunch. In my mind, it was like, oh, he might want to open up a car dealership. Like he might want to be the <laughs> he might want to be the fund of kind of the car business. And I was like, oh, cool. Let, let's do this. Right. So we go to lunch and he sits down and he tells me this. He says, listen, he says, I've been kind of watching you. Um, I know you're a local young entrepreneur here on the Central Coast. I know it, almost the same conversation that my guy who gave me Rich Dad, Poor Dad told me. Um, but this guy is, was very, very, very accomplished. And he said, listen, I know you. You have big goals. You seem excited. You're ambitious. You have a burning desire. You're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. You, you, know, you want to live like this ultimate crazy life. And um, he says, I'm actually in a group of guys, a group of good friends that are exactly like you. And I said, okay, tell me more. And he goes, he goes I, know, I know you're not going to um, – I, I know this is kind of weird, and honestly, I, I have no idea what it is. I have no idea what what the business is, what the name of the business is, what the product is, what anything is. All that I know is that I trust my brother-in-law, which is another guy in this group. I trust him with my life, and when he calls me and he says, get your closest, closest, closest business people together, your hustlers together, because we got something big coming, I trust him. And you happen to be at the right place at the right time. So I want to introduce you to my, my brother. And I said, okay, that's kind of weird, but thanks. Like, sure. So I meet these group of guys and these group of guys are the kind of guys who go where they want, when they want, for as long as they want with who they want. And, you know, some of them are, they travel the United States and they buy and sell real estate and they, one of them's a general contractor. So he builds custom homes and my guy's in the ag business and he has his own construction company also. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're the kind of entrepreneurs that I always wanted to be the, I'd be able to travel anywhere and do business deals all over the de all over the world and meet a bunch of people and make a lot of money. And that was these guys. And so I was just attracted to that. And this, this is what they tell me. They say, listen, there's this guy, this CEO that's already been a part of $2 billion companies. Um, just to give you perspective, uh, you know, Steve Jobs was with Apple, like, right? $1 billion company. Uh, Howard Schultz with Starbucks, $1 billion company. Uh, Jeff Bezos with Amazon, $1 billion company. Um, and this guy's been a part of two. And so we yet to find, and, and you know, if someone finds one of those, uh, please send me a message. But, <laughs> but um, we've yet to find someone who's been a part of two billion. I'm, and we're talking billion annually, right? Not, mm -hmm. not just altogether. So um, there's this CEO, and he just came out of retirement and he's building his third and final company. And I thought to myself, I was like, wow, if, you know, if Steve Jobs was still alive and he announced to the world, like, hey, I'm going to come out and, and create Apple 2.0, how many people would raise their hands and be like, I want to be a part of it. Right. And so yep. I was like, whoa, that's kind of cool. And um, they said this, they said, listen, what is your experience with network marketing? And I said, um, uh, I don't know. It's just kind of like one of those things, right? Like one of those, I don't know. It's like, kind of looks like a pyramid and, um, you like have a box of products and you sell it to your friends and like that kind of thing. Right. And, and they just laughed at me and, uh, you know, my, my little known fact, my mom and my dad did a network marketing company when I was a little bit younger and that was an extra stream of income for them. And they were, you know, they were making a decent amount of money, like three or four grand a month, which is pretty good on the side of their already, they are already established jobs. And then my roommate, um, 
my roommate, the guy who gave me Rich Dad, Poor Dad, my, my close mentor, um, he did Herbalife with, and he was actually mentored by Jim Rohn, uh, like the great Jim Rohn, right? Like the, nope. the inspirational speaker. And so um, I, you know, I, I kind of knew about it, but I didn't really know enough to ask the questions about it. And so I go, yeah, I, I don't know. Like my mom and dad did this and my roommate did Herbalife and, and they go, okay, cool. Like that's, that's, that's really cool. So you have some sort of experience. And they said this, um, they said, here's the problem with network marketing is normally it's explained by people who don't know what they're talking about. And it's not with a business background, right? Like normally the people, normally the people that come to you are like, is like your gym coach or your hairstylist or your teacher <laughs> or like, you know, like, because a lot of network marketing companies have been around for a long time, but the new ones, like the new ones that just launch, you'll notice that a lot of the people that try to recruit you are young. They're like 18 years old. So I have always been pitched by people like, Hey, you know, how'd you like an opportunity? How'd you like to come to my living room and like, look at these products and like, want to build this thing with me. Right. And, and I, you know, throughout the last seven years of learning of, of listening to Tony Robbins and Robert Kiyosaki and, and Grant Cardone and Gary Vaynerchuk and Peter Voogd and all these people. Um, there's, you know, I like to, I like to, I like to hear everyone's message. I think you can learn from everyone, but then I also like to see what they all have in common. And one of the things that they all have in common is whatever you want in life, all you have to do is find someone who has it or that's currently living it and just do what they do. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the term of modeling, though. Tony Robbins talks about it a lot. And so every time that I'm pitched by one of these companies, um, that's really like subconsciously the first thing that I think of is like, does this person have the life that I want? And if they don't probably like I'm out, right? Like it's, I, I kind of shut down before I even hear them out. And that's because there's so much saturation in the companies nowadays, like the Herbalife's and the Amway's, they've been around forever. I'm not saying you can't, I'm not saying you can't make money in those companies because if you're good enough, you can make money anywhere. But what I'm saying is there's a lot of people that already know about these companies. And so when these guys told me, they said, Hey, we got a guy with a track record that's already been a part of $2 billion companies that have brought them over that billion dollar annually mark coming out of retirement. And you get a chance to lock arms with this guy day one, even year one, even year three, we're talking about Herbalife been around for decades, Arbonne decades. Like you can write, like you can, you can pioneer this company and that it wasn't, it wasn't the products it wasn't the compensation plan. It wasn't, you know, the, the little things here and there. It was really the people. And, and, I, and I thought to myself, wow, I'm in this group of people and they have exactly what I want. They have the type of lifestyle, like the families and the time freedom that I want. Like they deserve my attention and I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to be open-minded. I still don't know if it's for me or not, but I'm going to be open-minded. So they sat down and they really, they really mapped out network marketing for me. They, they mapped out, um, you know, leverage, the power of leverage, the power of, um, you know, if, if Warren Buffett said it the most, he said, if, if you're not making 24, if you're not making money 24 hours a day, you're going to work until you die. 
Um, you know, they, they talked about how they had businesses overseas, like people in Australia. They said, while we go to sleep in the United States, the people in Australia are waking up. So if, if somehow you were doing business with them, your business would be working 24 hours a day. And I was like, okay, that's, I've learned a lot about that, but I've never seen it in real life. And, and it's just little things like that. And, and not to mention the leadership and the mentorship and being around like-minded people, fueling your fire, um, uh, being in a room with thousands of people that all want more out of life. And just, I mean, there's so, I mean, you know, I, I've always been in the car dealership. They taught me the Benjamin Franklin clothes. So when someone was on the fence about something, they would have me pull out a piece of paper and they would say, okay, <laughs> let, let's, let's write down all the good things, all the pros, and let's write down all the, all the negatives, like all the bad stuff that could happen. And that's really, that helped them decide, okay, is it worth it or is it not worth it? So in my mind, I'm thinking that I'm like, okay, look at all these pros. And then what are the cons, right? Let's just say network marketing is a pyramid scheme. Let's just say that, you know, it's the biggest scam on planet earth and blah, 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 blah. Like everyone's right. Like all the average people in life, all the people that think that they have life figured out, like, let's just say they're all right. I lose 50 bucks or a hundred bucks or 200 bucks, right? I've spent more money on a dinner than I would lose on a corporation starting my own business and having time leverage and, and meet just the relationships alone, the opportunities, the doors that would open the shaking hands with people from different walks of life, the hearing different stories and the motivation and, and um, just having that, I would pay thousands of dollars to go to a, like a Tony Robbins event or like a, uh, you know, an event where, where you just want to be around people like that. And you're telling me that I could do it for 50 bucks and I got to, Oh, I got to consume some things that are going to make me a little bit healthy and then share it with people. <laughs> like, like it was, it was a no brainer for me. Right. I would be like, I would be stupid not to do it. Even for, even for, if I did nothing in the business for tax purposes alone, I would actually make money by being able to write stuff off in my normal daily life under my network marketing business and save more money than 50 bucks. And I was like, oh my gosh, how is everyone not in a company like this, right? And so, um, but it's not, it's not explained like that. It's not explained from a place of strength, from a place of experience, from a place of being there and doing that. And by the way, all these guys have made hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars with this previous CEO in his last company. So they were able to look me in the eye and say, listen, um, I'm not just kind of one of those guys, like uh, I could show you my tax returns from the last couple of years and you, I mean, I've made hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars uh, doing this. So I know it works. And I was like, perfect, let's do it. And um, I got into a network marketing company. I didn't, there was no name. There was no products. There was no compensation plan. There was nothing. All that there was, was relationships. All that there was, was a group of guys that said, come with us and we'll show you exactly what to do. And that was my first real experience with, mentorship and being able to uh follow a mentor Multiple so mentors. let's let's throw the break right there mm -hmm. and let's flesh out mentorship when we come back okay perfect thank you
And we are back with Bobby. So at the break, you had just started to flesh out mentorship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mentorship is, um, it, it, you know, when I heard mentorship uh, growing up, it was kind of, it was kind of like a corny term to me. It was kind of like a, um, like you got to be in business. You got to be this, you got to be like an apprentice and you have a mentor and, and uh, you know, kind of like if you wanted to be mentor to be the president of the United States sort of a thing. And mm-hmm. so um, I never really got it. And um, really mentorship is just someone speaking into your life. Um, someone who has what you want and someone being there as your support system to kind of not let you recreate the wheel. There are some things you need to figure out on your own, um, but there are some things that they can keep you from screwing up. And that's, I, I think, what, what mentorship means to me. And, um, you know, they, there's, a, there's a guy in our business, he's, he's incredible. Um, he's a motivational speaker. And he says, he says if you're going to go through a minefield, it's best to follow someone that's already been through the minefield and preferably someone that has a couple limbs blown off because they know exactly where not to step. <laughs> right. Yep. So um, I, I think that would be the perfect vision for what mentorship is. And that's, that's exactly what, what you get in network marketing is, is people who have been there, done that. Uh, if you're lucky, most people, um, and I say this very lightly, but most people are kind of in a bad Oh, how do I say this? They're in a bad spot. They're, they're not as fortunate as the people who get in good, get in tight with the people who have been there and done that. And they're kind of, it's most people in network marketing um, are led. It's kind of the blind leading the blind um, sort of a thing. And I say that, I say that very lightly. I'm a huge fan of network marketing. I'm not on here to say, Hey, you know, join my network marketing business. It's the best product in the world. It's the best. No, 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 no. I'm a huge fan of, I think everyone, just like I think everyone should sell cars at a car dealership right after school to see what the real world is like. I think everyone should be in a network marketing business. And I think you should choose one based on your values, based on what you believe in, based on, um, you know, you're being in alignment with what you're doing. But I think that the back inside that people don't see until they're in of the mentorship and the leadership and, and um, you know, uh, the time leverage and traveling and, and just getting outside your comfort zone and having uh, I, the number one thing. So, so for me, and, and I know I'm kind of scatterbrained here, but it, this is very, very, very important. Um, Robert, and, and when I got into network marketing, when I first, when I first had the conversation with those guys, I was, this is funny that I think about it. I was the guy who said, I raced home, I pulled up my computer, I went to Google and I said, what does Robert Kiyosaki say about network marketing, right? Like Robert Kiyosaki (laughs) was like my guy, right? He was like the guy who changed my life. So it was almost like a father figure that I never had. I've never met Robert Kiyosaki, but I've watched almost everything. I've read everything. I've listened to everything. And it was almost like if Robert Kiyosaki says, don't do it, I probably won't, right? (laughs) So I, I type it into Google and I said, what does Robert Kiyosaki say about network marketing? And um, there's a video that pops up. It's like the, the first video on there. And he loves it. He's like, this is the, you know, it's a great way for people to flex their entrepreneurial muscle. It's a great way for people to meet other people and, and just build relationships because life is about relationships and business is about relationships. It's not, it's not necessarily what you know, it's who you know. And it's so true. And um, I was like, okay, I'm sold. Boom. 
that, that solidified my decision. Okay, good. I, I good. I feel good about it. The person that my whole business career is based on says that he loves it and he would recommend it for everybody. And I was like, okay, cool. So, um, Here's, here's the big aha moment for me in network marketing though, um, was, and it goes back to Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant, right? He, he basically says every single person on planet earth, why does 3% of the population own 97% of the money? It's not by accident. It's because 3% of the population knows how money works. That's it. Mm-hmm. If you don't know how to play the game, you can never win. And it, and it, it's so true looking back. I mean, how many people, I mean, I don't know how many people are going to listen to this, but how many people feel like the harder they work, the more in a circle they're going and the faster they're chasing their tail. And it's so yep. true. And so, um, he breaks it down into, into what he calls the cash flow quadrant. And, uh, if you can imagine like a quadrant, um, in like math or, or whatever on the upper left of the cross, you have um, your E quadrant, which stands for employee. If right below that is your S quadrant, which stands for self-employed. On the upper right, you have your... Can you hear me? I lost you there for a second. up a notification and blocked the sound so you had just gotten to uh you were fleshing out the cash flow quadrant so you had explained e s and you were just about to get into the b okay perfect perfect sorry i, I actually was talking for about 30 seconds after that but um, <laughs> <laughs> it happens until i got a call back from you um so yeah so the the top left is e the bottom is s which stands for self-employed the top right is b quadrant for business owner and right below that the bottom right is i quadrant for investor and he says every single person on planet earth makes their money in one of these quadrants and and you can be in multiple quadrants that's fine um but he says if you if you're a person that has big ambition big goals big dreams and like the people who that you see like on the internet making all this money and all this stuff and and whatever most of the time it's not that they're smarter it's not that they work harder it's just they know how to play the game and if you don't know how to play the game you can never win and so he basically lays out the rules for making money. And he said, there's no secret. There's no like magic pill. It's just being educated on how money works. And so everyone falls into the cash flow quadrant. And so most people, 97% of the population or 95%, whatever you, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's, it's the majority of people earn their money in the E quadrant. And they, uh, the E quadrant is basically known for you trade your time for money. This is where you, you go to work and you clock in and, you know, you punch your time card and, and you're not really paid for your value. You're paid for your time. And so, you know, this, this quadrant frustrates the heck out of me. This is, this is like, I don't talk down on anyone who's in this quadrant, but it's just not for me right? There's not a right way or a wrong way. There's just a right way for what you want and who you are. Um, but there's not a cookie cutter way for everybody. So, 
um, it frustrates me because I would be working my tail off and I would be doing this. And I would I remember I'm, I'm very obsessive and I always have to be the best. I was always trained to be the best. So when I get into a job, I'm busting my butt to be the absolute best. And then I look to my right and you got Steve, who's. Uh, oh, I, I should I should use it. I should use another name, right? You got Bill. No, <laughs> you got Bill, who is just doing the bare minimum not to get fired, and we're getting paid the mm-hmm. same. And oh yeah, by the way, the people who have been there longer, the people who have sacrificed more of their time, they get paid a little bit more. Not because they're better, but because they've just been there longer. And I was like, that is such a piece of crap system like i hate that right i didn't know what was wrong with it until i read rich dad poor dad but i just it just deep down i just wanted to uh, i don't know you you Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so right below that you have self-employed and so that was my ebay experience that was my car dealership experience that was my um uh auto broker business right and so i get into that and um this is what i realized and this is what he talks about in the book it is the exact same as having a job except you're your own boss and you make your own calendar. Yeah, that's the truth. And, and um, there is a, <laughs> by the way, I, a lot of the things that I'm saying, and some of it is from my actual experience, and a lot of it is just from the nuggets that I've just engulfed myself and just obsessed about over with all the greats of, you know, all the icons of, of everything. So um, this is what they say. They said, hey, and I've seen it firsthand, right? There is a big, big difference between owning a business and having your business own you. That's the truth. Yeah. And so uh, one of my mentors, she actually talked about this last night. She says, she says, here's how you can tell if a business owns you. If you ask somebody or if you ask yourself, what would happen if I stepped away from my business for the next 30 days? If the answer is I wouldn't be in business anymore, the business owns you. And exactly. And so it's, it's little things like this. So you got to ask yourself and, and here's the biggest thing is you don't know what you don't know. So you don't know until you're, until you are, you know, someone brings you under your wing, under their wing where they can tell you this kind of stuff. Cause this is not what they teach you in school, right? No, this is, not at all. This is not real life stuff. So, um, yeah. So the, so this, you know, when you look at your ultimate, when I looked at my ultimate, uh, life, the, uh, the E quadrant, definitely cannot provide my ultimate life cannot deliver the s quadrant definitely can't either because i want to own my own time i want to go where i want with who i want for as long as i want and all that kind of stuff um and you know i want to i want to you know i i it's not that i don't want to work hard i i love to work but i also love to play and if i want to go take a vacation for 30 days like i don't want to have to report back to my boss and say you know oh sorry my dog died and my grandma died and all this kind of like i don't <laughs> right i want to own my own life and so um and then you get to your b quadrant and so b quadrant is on the outside on paper it looks exactly like the s quadrant but there's one main difference the difference between being self-employed and the difference between a business owner is having a system and having a system allows you to step away from whatever you're doing and your system will run with or without you yep and if you were to ask yourself the same question, what would happen if I took 30 days off from my system? More than likely, when you came back, your business would be bigger than when you left. And that is why network marketing 
makes so much sense to me because you're talking about a system that you plug into where, yeah, you got to put in the work. It's, it's a business. You got to treat it like a business. It's no different than owning a store and like having supplements or having, uh, you know, technology or having, having whatever your product is or your service is like, you're still in business. Like you still have to represent that and you still have to do this and do that, but you have a system where when you bring customers in or you bring partners in, they, if you plug them into a system, they are going to be building their business with or without you. Right. It's not about you. It's about them. And when I, when that clicked for me, it took a while to click for me, but when that clicked for me, I was like, this is the best business model in the world. I think, I think we should like throw in here one thing that a lot of people get wrong mm-hmm. is that they're, they're so ingrained on the school academic mm-hmm. teach me, show me, handhold me all the way through this mentality to where they don't understand that the real growth comes from being able to learn quickly, being able to implement quickly, and then be able to execute, learn, execute, learn, to where you build the process, you build the system mm-hmm. and the schools don't teach that. And I don't want to segue you off too hard on that. Cause I, I love where you're going, mm-hmm. but that that's where over 90% of people get it wrong mm-hmm. because they're so used to that academic method that is hounded into them by school. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because you have to understand that school rewards you based on how well of a student you are based on how well of a learner you are. Okay. It has nothing to do with doing. It has everything to do with learning. So school rewards you for being an excellent learner. The world, the real world rewards you on being an excellent doer. There is a big difference between learning and doing. And that's why I love Peter Voog is because most of what, what his content, that's actually how we met, by the way, most of his content that he puts out is about, it's not enough to know everything. You have to implement you have to do you don't necessarily have to be an expert before you do you just have to do you have to know enough to feel confident in what you're doing but you at the end of the day the market rewards you for what you do not for what you know and or and even on top of that the market doesn't reward you for what you're thinking or planning or saying Mm -hmm. it's the do It, it, it is the do exactly Exactly. He, uh, Tony Robbins, is, he makes a funny joke. He says, he says the, the most wealthy place on earth is the cemetery because that's where all everyone's goals and dreams and ideas were buried because they didn't, they never, you know, and Walt Disney. I mean, I'm, I'm a big quote guy. I'm a big, uh, you know, information guy. Like I'm, I'm the student of business, but I also take pride in doing too. Uh, but Walt Disney said, you, you can achieve anything you want in life if you have, the cur- if you have enough courage to. And so that, you know, there's, I, yeah, I, I, the, the one rub that you find in the popular media Mm -hmm. is that they express the message wrong. They're off by even just a couple of degrees Mm -hmm. that they reward everyone that if you dream this, this will happen. Well, okay, cool. So you've created the dream and you might've even gotten the plan written down, Mm -hmm. but don't do the actual implementation and execution there it, it, it's stuck there right 
Right. So exactly, exactly. And there's a, there's, I kind of have my, um, my personal slogan and I've taken little chunks from people, right? So I've taken little chunks from uh, Stephen Covey. I've taken little chunks from uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, little chunks from Peter Vogt and little chunks from Grant Cardone. And this is kind of my slogan. I say, I, you know, start with the end in mind. Okay. You start with the end in mind, figure out what you want to do in life. Okay. Well, actually, let, let's, 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 let's rewind it a little bit. First, it starts with you. You have to be aware of who you are. You have to know your Amen. strengths. You have to know, you know, you have to know you. And most people don't even know them because it actually scares them. When they look in the mirror, there's things that they just don't want to face. And well, that and they, they spend too much time um, hearing what other people give them you know, mom, dad, yes. sister, cousin, coworker, mm-hmm. that, that they think that that's their real image yep. and they don't really embrace who they really are. Right. Exactly. Exactly. They, they don't think for themselves. They let other people have opinions and they internalize those opinions and they think, you know, oh, well, if my third party says this about me, it must be true. And so um, you need to know who you are. And that is so, so important. And you don't need to have all of you figured out, but you, you need to kind of have morals. You need to have, like, what do you stand for? What, what, who are you, right? What do you want to be remembered by? What kind of person do you want to be? What kind of father or mother, or son or best friend, or what kind of person are you? Once you know who you are, until you know who you are, you will never know where you want to go. Because... Sure. It's, it's like, you know, if you, were, if you were trying to sail from California to New York, right, and, you know, you have your destination, but you don't have your boat figured out, like you don't, like you, you just, uh-huh. you're just kind of swimming around or you're just on a raft and you don't really have the vehicle of who you are, like the chances of you getting there is impossible. It doesn't even matter where you're going. You're just going to be swimming around in circles. And, and that's mostly like the uneducated people, not uneducated, like stupid, but uneducated on like, they don't, they're not open-minded really. They don't even want to learn. They kind of think that they all have their own stuff figured out, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, there's a huge thing wrong with that if you're around me, but it's fine for you. Just, just go do you. <laughs> right. But here's the thing. If you understand who you are, then you can understand where you want to go. So you, you find out who you are, then that's when the secret comes in. That's when you start imagining things. You start having vision of where do I want to be? Where's the perfect scenario for me? Where, you know, what, what do I, what do I want my house to look like? What do I want, you know, my car to look like? If it's not material, it can be like, what kind of father do I want to be? What kind of, mm-hmm. um, you know, where do I want to live? What, if I was going to do anything every single day, what would I want to be doing? Um, if I could help anybody, if I could make a certain amount of money, if I could do this, if I could do like, what does that look like for me? And I encourage everyone to really take some time and map that out. Okay. Once you know who you are and then you know where you're going, the rest is easy. The rest is just doing. So this is my little motto that I was talking about. Once you know who you are, Stephen Covey, begin with an end in mind, know where you're going. Okay. If you're going from California to New York, like as long as you know where you're going and you have a vehicle, you know who you are, there's, there's a lot of different ways you can go, but you're probably going to go there as long as you put in the work, as long as you take the steps, eventually you will, you will get there. So 
Then Gary Vaynerchuk, he's a big, uh, a big advocate of reverse engineering. Once you know where you're going, all you got to do is you just got to chop it up into bite-sized steps. You don't, you don't have to start business today and then be a millionaire tomorrow, right? But you can, your goal can be a millionaire, but then what does that look like? Like you chop it up into little steps and you say, well, you know, if I chop that up into little steps, all I have to do is do this today. You know, if, if I'm going to be a millionaire and it takes, let's just say, 365 phone calls. Let's just say, I mean, it is going to be a lot more than that, but if whatever your industry you're in, let's just say to be a millionaire, it's going to take 365 phone calls. Don't think about making 365 phone calls day one. Say, well, if I make one phone call a day at the end of the year, I will have 365 phone calls. And that's what I mean by reverse engineering it, chop it down into little baby steps. Right. And so just, and, and here's, here's where people miss the boat. Like this is one of the, and I see this all the time in network marketing, especially is they know where they're going. They have the vehicle to do it, but they just front load their plate too much in the beginning. And they try to do too much too soon. And they never take one step. They become in, uh, they, they get into what's called analysis paralysis. And they think that they need to be a master before they take one step. And I, yep, I'm, yep. I'm one of the biggest victims of that. I, I screw that up bad. When I first started, I got so overwhelmed and I, I, you know, you can imagine my obsessive personality with, with <laughs> all this kind of stuff. And I just tried to do too much and I forgot to take a step. I forgot to just put one foot in front of the other and just have faith that I'm going in the right direction and have faith in the mentors and the leadership and stuff like that. So um, that is, that's, that's a huge where people are like, Oh crap. And then they say, Oh, it doesn't work. And this and that. And, and, and yeah, but anyways, implementation or, or uh, reverse engineer. And then the next step is Peter Vug talks about it is implementation. He says, it's yep. not enough to know. Um, there's a lot of smart people out there. There's a lot of teachers out there, a lot of coaches out there, but who are the ones that are in the trenches actually doing it? That's the one you want to follow. And so don't forget to do because nothing happens until you say when. And you start doing. Yeah, let's throw a break in here and let's jump back onto that real quick when we come back. Okay. And we are back with Bobby on the Raven Rising podcast. And we took a break when you were really starting to dial down into implementation and execution. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And I can honestly say, um, you know, being there, starting multiple businesses, doing, having business ventures or, and, you know, I don't mean to throw around the word business, but just having projects and doing the projects, um, you don't have to be an expert to start doing. And there's a little saying, it's called ready, fire, aim, get ready, make the decision in your mind to do, and then do, and then review what just happened, right? Like mm -hmm. you can, you can start shooting your gun and then like you see, Oh crap, it's a lot stronger or a lot less strong than I thought it was going to be. And then, and then you kind of dial it in perfectly. Right. Exactly. So, exactly. so, um, in, in the network marketing world, um, they have a, they have a saying it's called plan, do review. And so for the people who, who struggle with implementation, um, it, it, you don't have to go out and be the Michael Jordan day one. You don't have to be, uh, you know, the Tiger Woods or, uh, you know, that kind of person day one. 
make a plan and it could be simple too. Obviously you have big goals and big dreams. You want to chop that up into little pieces, but make it, you know, start with a week plan, say, okay, this week, here's my goal. And you just kind of put the steps in place, whether that be a gym routine, whether that be making an extra 500 bucks, whether that be, you know, being a better friend or something. And you just say, I'm going to do this little bit every single day. And then I'm going to execute my plan. It doesn't have to be a year plan. It can be something small. You can even start today. And you say, this is my plan. You make a plan. You execute the plan. Prove to yourself that you can do it, that you can accomplish what you set your plan to be. And then just review your results, right? There's you nothing to, yeah, there's nothing to review if you never do. And the key thing there, and this is like the whole idiot savant, you know, so stupid, it's brilliant aspect about what you just said about breaking it down is that too many people will make a list of a thousand things and then just be daunted by the size of it instead of, sure, go ahead and make your list a thousand things. I mean, or 500, whatever. There's got to be a point where you stop Mm -hmm. and then you cherry pick out and this is where Austin Netsley picks on me or has picked on me and Peter and a few other people is that you need to figure out what are the three or five most important things mm-hmm. and do those. And so yep. you, that's that whole step-by-step incremental growth aspect that people get just floundered by. You need to know like these key things, like right now on mm-hmm. my calendar, you know, and this is as it stands right now, I have a major retailer on my calendar. I've got a couple of the VPs of that company having a meeting with me. It, and you know, it took eight emails to get the meeting to mesh to where I can get all the big dogs in on the call to be able to create something to happen. But that was focusing on that one thing not me chasing after 1900 different leads because you never are going to get anywhere that way. Oh, did your headphones disconnect or are you sitting there? <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was that was my fault. Yeah, my headphones did uh did disconnect. Uh can you okay. hear me okay? Yeah, you're perfect. Okay, perfect, right. perfect. Yeah. No, I said I heard everything that you said um about doing the the important things first and that I one 100% agree with that. A, a guy that I follow that um I know you mentioned a couple names that I'm I'm not too familiar with, but the guy that I follow specifically was uh his name's Tim Ferriss. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and I wanted to give a real life example for, for people, um, cause I, I know what you said about, uh, you know, setting your, uh, you know, with all your emails, getting this meeting and, and stuff like that. Um, but for, for everyday people, this is what it looks like because it happened to me. Um, there is a big difference between being busy and being efficient. And what I found was I was having very, very busy days people were looking at me like, wow, that guy's busy. Like he's, <laughs> he's, he's going a million miles an hour. He's doing that. He's doing that. But then I, and, and, you know, when you're busy, you know, 
your results. You're, you might be the only one who really knows what's going on behind the scenes. You might give the impression that you're successful or doing this, but you really know deep down when no one's looking what's really happening. And that's what I was seeing was even though I was very busy, my results weren't really there. And I was like, what in the world is going on? And then, and then it, I had to reflect on my day. What was I doing during the day, right? It's almost, it's almost like if you were to equate this to Google Maps, okay? If, if you were to zoom all the way into Google Maps and you were to look at like as, as close to like a sidewalk and you can see the lines on a sidewalk and, and stuff like that, like that is your daily like task to, to task, like everything mm -hmm. that you're doing, okay? And then and you really have to zoom out a little bit to where you can see the property, okay? And then you zoom out a little bit more, you can see the neighborhood, and then you can zoom out a little bit more and see the state, and then you can zoom out and see the whole world, right? So I, I like to think about like my efficiency and my days like that. I want to be able to zoom all the way in and be super, you know, uh, horse blinders on what I'm doing. But then I also need to zoom out and see, okay, is what I do is what I'm doing. Is it being effective? Is, is, am I actually taking step forward or am I actually, am I just being busy? And what I found was I was just being busy and I'll give you an example. So I'd wake up in the morning. Um, and I, I, you know, I actually, the first time I realized this, I was doing this was at the car dealership and you see this all the time at the car dealership, but I'll give you a, a car dealership example. When you show up to work at, let's just say you work from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. or 8 to 8, you work a bell and uh, you show up to work. And the first thing that you do is you, you put your stuff down on your desk um, and then you might open up your iPad or you might open up this and you might check some emails and you might say, OK, well, what did I miss while I was gone? And you might do that. And all of a sudden you're, you know, you need to pause and you need to go to the coffee maker because you haven't had coffee yet. And so you, you, you make some coffee and you do this and then you come back to your desk and you're reviewing emails, and you're doing this. And then all of a sudden, you know, um, you, you go, oh crap, well, I need to, I, I forgot to do this yesterday. So I need to go do that really quick. I need to do this paperwork thing. So you go, you go make sure everything's good. You, you file your papers in the right cubby holes and you just kind of tie your loose ends from the day before. And then you come back and all of a sudden it's lunchtime. And so you, uh, you're like, oh, you know, well, I can't, I can't work on an empty stomach. So you go, you have your lunch and then you come back and, and all of a sudden, um, you know, little, little things pop up, little fires you start putting out and you're, I mean, from the outside looking in, you look busy, everything looks fine, but you're not really effective. You're not doing anything for your business, right? Oh, and exactly. And, and since you and me both have done car sales, you and me both know that when everybody off, everyone else knocks off for lunch, that's the best time to be on the lot because <laughs> then you get the ups. Yep, exactly. 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 But um, yeah, I mean, what, what I was finding was I was very, very good at being busy, but I was not being effective. And so this ties in perfectly to what you were talking about was here's what I would recommend. And, and I really, a lot of the struggles that I went through, I would go straight to YouTube and I'd say how to be more effective. And Tim Ferriss would pop up and he'd have videos on Tim Ferriss's five tips to being more effective. Right. And you, you see these videos. So if you're, if you're watching this or you're listening to this and you're resourceful, there is something out there that you could find. You could get your hands on. Don't get too caught up in the, the analysis paralysis, but just know that you could find some things if you really wanted to. So Tim Ferriss, uh, perfectly, you said it perfect. He, he basically says every morning or the night before, whatever you prefer, make a list of, of if you were to have like the best day ever, make a list of everything that you'd want to get done. And you normally you'd have like 10 things on your list or 20 if you're like Superwoman or Superman or whatever. <laughs> um, but, you know, 
here's where people miss the boat is they, they make their list of their stuff and they, they do what's easy. They, they say, okay, well, what can I knock out really quick? Right. And, and it's not meaningful. It's just easy. For example, on the list would be like, make th these many calls, drop this many samples, do this, do your laundry, follow up emails, do this, do that. And then you subconsciously, you pick like, well, you know, I might as well just knock out my laundry. Or I might as well do this. <laughs> I might as well do that. I might as well do this because it's easy and I can get it done. And, and they think that crossing more things off the list is better than being efficient. And it's not. So oh, just, yeah. Yeah, just like what you said, Tim Ferriss says, listen, if you were to do one or two or three, if you have too many priorities, you have no priorities. So mm -hmm. if you have three things on your list where if you did nothing else, but you only did those three things, do that only. If you have time for everything else, perfect. There are some things that can take second priority to your to-do list. Don't, you know, and, and here's another thing too is when, on your list, it, it helps you become proactive versus reactive, and if you mm -hmm. knock out the important things first, even if you did, if you knock those three things out before nine or 10 a.m., your day would be exponentially more efficient than if you were to do all the easy crap because stuff, life happens while you're doing that stuff will pop up that, that, you know, your son will call and he needs this and your daughter will call and she needs this and you have to take a trip here. You got this angry customer you got to take care of and like all of a sudden, your whole day goes by and you never did anything for your business. You never did anything. You never took a step forward. And I think that happens to a lot of people where they, they feel good because they're busy and they, they feel like they got a lot done. But when you actually kind of rewind the tape and you go through and you check off everything that's super important for them to take a step forward and to take a step towards their dreams or their goals, they never really take that step because they just do what's what, uh, you know, the busy work instead of the efficient work. Oh yeah, that getting spun in the minutia. And yeah, people people constantly get involved with that. Um, you know, for example, like right now we're doing this podcast. I have shut down three phone calls with people because they're not on my calendar. You know what? Power to you. Um, thanks for calling. Leave a voicemail. You're not on my calendar. Bobby right now is the most important person in the world for me. That's <laughs> what we're doing. Boom. End of story. Where I know a lot of other people that they chase every single phone call that they get all day long. And mm -hmm. it, it doesn't bring the purpose closer. Yes. A hundred percent agree. And that's, that's where you're reactive instead of proactive. Find what you need to do. Block out everything until you do those things. And then you can be reactive. Then you can put out fires. But fires come second priority to the things that need to get done for you to do those little bite-sized steps to get to your goals. I think the perfect way to drive that one home is the Facebook troll. The guy who has to have the last word on anything that they get involved in, political, whatever, and that they just keep chasing it, chasing it, chasing it. And I know people that they sit at work at their job and that's what they do all day long and they'd get nothing done for their job oh, yeah. and they wonder why they're not growing. It's like, man, your priorities are skewed. You're, <laughs> you're just not on your value proposition. If you turn off your Facebook, if you turn off all these different things and you focus on what's important, 
And I, I think that's why I love LinkedIn though, is that you can, you can be involved in a conversation and move yourself forward at the same time in that network marketing aspect mm-hmm. where, you know, Facebook, you typically just end up in an echo chamber and you're just having the same conversation, whether you agree with them or not over and over and over again. And you just need to get out of that because it's not helping. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Facebook is, is Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Snapchat. It's, it's, it's just a tool, you know, it's a tool to connect with people. It's a tool to get you in front of more, you know, conversations. It's, it's a tool, but I think people internalize it so much where it's their life. And um, there's a fine line. I mean, you need to draw. At some point, you need to draw a line in the sand. And uh, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge victim of that. Or I'm a, I used to break that rule all kinds of because it's addicting. You know, mm-hmm. we we feel good when we get a notification. We feel good subconsciously when we get a text message or a phone call. Like, oh, someone wants to talk to us. Like, we we want to react. But it's it, it. I didn't say you know none of this conversation. I didn't say it was easy. I didn't say it was easy. But nothing is easy if it's worth it. Right. You know, and, and Tim Ferriss speaks to this, Peter Vug speaks to this, Austin Netsley, um, who works with Peter Vug, by the way. Um, <laughs> and a bunch of other people speak to this to where they say, turn off the notifications to, you know, these different things that are coming in. And that's why I have a business email account. My other two email accounts, I don't get notifications for that. If you send something there to me, I might see it once a week. If you're not in my business account, you know, boom, that's it. And I, that's, that's just a quick complaint. I really hate people to add me to a mailing list without asking me. That's oh, the yeah. quickest way for me to block you and unsubscribe immediately. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I think, I think a lot of, um, and I think that comes from a lot of bad, um, how do I say this? I don't want to say mentorship because you're not really mentoring them. <laughs> uh, it's just a lot of bad practices where, the, you know, people get caught up in the numbers game. They get caught up in, well, you know, if, if only I talk to 100,000 people, one of them has to say yes, right? And, and that's, <laughs> that's, I mean, uh, there's, there, yeah, you want to, you know, business is numbers. And when you understand your numbers, you understand your business, then you can grow your business. But, but you also have to understand that these are people on the other, on the other line. And these are, you know, these are fathers and these are mothers and these are sons and daughters. These are real people. These, these are, you know conversations need to happen before you start throwing people through the ringer. And when I learned that everything, I mean, you know, that was one of those directional changes that I was talking about earlier was, you know, sometimes being a friend and, and Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this all the time, you know, give, 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 give before you have the right to ask too many people ask before they give. And, um, you know, if you just give your time a little bit or you give a couple like, hey, hope you had a great day or, you know, where are you from? Or, it, and we're not talking about you got to get married to them before you ask them for something. We're talking about just <laughs> be a human being and just be a friend. And, you know, if someone asks you a question, like I get people all the time that that um, I, I'll probably anyone who watches this in my network marketing business, they're gonna be like, oh, gosh, no, don't say that. I get people all the time that that. Um, they message me. They're not on my team. You know, they're either my upline or, uh, or they're cross line, or they're just someone from someone else's team. And they'll, they'll message me and they'll say, Hey man, I really like you. I like your vibe. I like your ambition. I like your Facebook live I like this, I like that, <laughs> whatever. Like, like, Hey, do you have a, a little word of advice for this? 
and I'm not gonna like I've actually reached out to some people like that before and they just ignored me or they said hey sorry I'm busy and I'm like at the end of the day you're a human being come on right I'm not asking you for like direct mentorship and all that kind of stuff like I just I noticed that you're good at this and hey you know can you just quickly help me and and so I try to help I mean obviously my time is mostly spent with my team and that's kind of a given, but before anything, I'm a human being and I, I just love to help people. And that's, that's the main reason why I'm in business is because when I'm behind a cubicle, I can only help so many people. But when I'm doing my own thing in my own business, I can really influence and I can help. I can solve a lot of people's problems. And that at the end of the day, as a human being, that's what really gets me going. So, yep. All right, so I'm going to throw a quick break in here, and I'm going to circle a couple of things back for you to speak to, but I think that you're just crushing it. I, I This is why I love talking to you, and I love having you in my circle of influence, is because you just speak directly to the truth, and a lot of people have a hard time with that, and I've, I've addressed this with a couple of the other guests where when people are hearing a message that every once in a while they may feel offended by it. And what they need to do is examine that whole, know yourself. Why did that resonate that way for you? Or, or did we just bump up against something that your dad told you for years that isn't congruent with where you want to be, you know? So hundred percent agree. <laughs> I actually have some stories about that. Someone's dads or moms or yeah, that's, that's great. So, all right, we'll be right back after the break. So I, I, during that pause, I thought of something and you and I spoke about this the first time that we finally connected on the telephone um, is you really need to find a way to bring value before you do any type of ask with people. And in some instances, bring value without even having an ask. Um, that was just something that like popped into my brain while we were in the break there. And I know that that's something that you totally groove on. It's, it's just, yeah, it's just a delicious aspect of networking. Yeah, a hundred percent agree. Um, so, I'll I'll give you an example for with network marketing. Just that's just my background and what I'm so passionate about right now is, um, a lot of people think about networking and sales and um, I don't know, like like transactions with people as. I need to take money out of their pocket or I need, I need to say the right thing to the right person at the right time so that they'll give me their money. And yeah, I'll give them something in return. And, but like a lot of people operate in the mindset of what's in it for me. And you know, it's, that's just how people's minds are. And um, unfortunately when you operate from that mindset, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of relationships you miss out on. There's a lot of good people that you miss out on friendships with. There's a lot of good in the world. And if you're so focused on making the sale and you're so focused on in the moment right there and you don't, like I said, if you're, if you're so zoomed in on your life with Google maps, 
you're so focused on that crack that you don't notice the opportunity running by in, in the far site, or you don't, you know, your peripheral is, you, you don't get that opportunity. Um, cause you're so it's, it's either like a hit or miss right now. And I would say a huge, um, one of the things that network marketing has taught me was, uh, Jim Rohn talks about it. He says, uh, the law of sowing and reaping. And you hear about this in the Bible a little bit. Um, but the law of sowing and reaping is, you know, as human beings, and especially in business, I really want you to pay attention to this. If you own a business is you just want to sow as many seeds and people as possible, as humanly possible, because eventually, you know, with people, timing mostly is everything. You could have the right product. You could have the best pitch. You could have the best, you know, service or whatever. And if you don't catch that person at the right time, it doesn't matter what you say to that person, they will say no. And it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with your company or your product. It has everything to do with them. And what I teach my team is, look, the end, at the end of the day, they're either going to buy from you or they're not. They're either going to like you or they're not. But at the end of the day, you just want to try to make a friend because the timing might not be right for them. They might not, you know, they're, you never know when you run into someone, like I run into people all the day and on the outside, it seems like they're a dick or they're just a jerk or they're whatever. But like, then I learned down the road, like, Oh, that person's sister just like, just got diagnosed with cancer like that same day. And like, if, if that happened to my sister or my family, I, I would be like, like, I get it. Right. You get mm -hmm. it. But we never know. We never know what the other person is thinking. So I always, I always teach like, Hey, be a human, make a friend. Don't ever let anyone out friend you. Right. Just be everyone's best friend. See what you can do for them. You would be surprised just reaching out to someone and saying, Hey, is there anything I can do for you? Like, it, even making someone, it, it could be as simple as making someone laugh. It could be as simple as opening the door for someone. You never know what opening a door for someone will lead to. And here's the cool part about the law of sowing and reaping is when you harvest those seeds that you planted, a lot of your harvest is not even in the same place where you sowed the seed. And if you're never hearing this before, Really, really, I'll say it again, the, where your plants or your flowers will blossom is not necessarily where you planted the seed in the first place. And it, I don't know why it works. I don't know how it works. It's kind of like gravity where you can't see it, you can't smell it, you can't really touch it, but it's there. It's like a law, right? You can't avoid it. It's there. That's, it's very similar with relationships. It's very, you know. Oh, amen. Amen. Yeah. Um, a pertinent example that just recently happened with me, bumped into a supplier manufacturer and asked him a bunch of questions, turned him on to a couple of places for him to be able to distribute his product. Didn't ask him for anything in return. And the funny thing is, is that he turned around, introduced me to somebody else and so that's, that's that perfect example there is that I was useful and helpful to them being friendly. And in return, he turned me on to somebody that was massively valuable and we've been building a relationship there since. And it's just delicious. It's it. So you never know where it's going to come from on the back end. 
And if you're too focused on, you know, reaping exactly from that one seed, you know, even people that plant apple trees know that tree takes a couple of years to give you the fruit back that you put into the ground. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, There's, there's two quick things. My dad always used to say, listen, um, be very, very careful who you treat like crap because that same person who's nerdy today or who is annoying or whatever you don't really get along with is probably going to be your boss down the road. So be very, very careful. Uh, and then Steve Jobs, he, he talks about this. He says, you can never connect the dots moving forward, but you can always connect the dots moving like if you turn around and see your life. So, um, you know, you can, everyone can look back at their life and say, well, I never would have been here if it wasn't for that thing that happened but like i would have never pictured myself in the spot that i'm at when i was at that spot back there so you you kind of just have to walk with faith you have to understand like life is gonna roll out you know life doesn't happen to you it happens for you and when you when you kind of free yourself of the the immediate result right now some pretty special things can happen for you down the road. As long as you stay even keeled, you stay friendly, you make as many relationships as you can. You do as much for other people as you can, because it's a weird thing, but reciprocity happens a lot stronger than you would imagine uh, with the small things that you did way back when. And you, you thought, well, I mean, now I like just with you, I really wasn't that big of a deal to me. Uh, you know, showing this guy a solution or answering this guy's problem, but he created a huge opportunity for me, maybe weeks, months, years down the road. And that would have never happened if I didn't, you know, help him with this quick little problem. Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, it's, it's crazy like that because, um, One of the situations on how I got to meet a multi-billionaire was due to the fact that I had helped a lawyer, you know, with the process service business back when I was doing that work. And so I, I was helpful. I was the recommended guy in my area for doing the work for serving paper. And when one of their competitors called them up for a referral, that's when they dialed me in and they're like, Hey, yeah, you guys need to talk to him. He's your go-to. And here I am a couple of days later getting to stand next to one of the Koch brothers. And, you know, it, it was just inspiring. I never got a, you know, other than my paycheck for the work that I did on the invoice, that doesn't equate the full value that I got from having met, you know, Bill Koch, because he inspired me in so many ways at that time he was worth 3.8 billion and I got to meet him, talk to him and realize, wow, this guy's human, just like the rest of us. He's not an (laughs) alien there, you know, he's got it going on. Yeah. He's worked his ass off to do this, but he's just like everyone else. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was that nerd kid growing up and he's become, you know, this monster in the marketplace. And it's just, that realization for people, like you said, you don't know who the nerdy kid is that's going to be just crushing it 10, 20, 30 years down the road that you might end up being an employee for. Right, right. Exactly. And, and I want to touch on something that, that you just brought up. Um, 
I think that's a huge, huge misconception in today's uh, world is a lot of people think that successful people, like they have superpowers or they have, uh, there's just (laughs) something about them that kind of just makes them not human. And what I found was when I surrounded myself with successful people and I would kind of see how they acted on a day-to-day basis, or I would see how they carried themselves, or I would see their families, or I would see, like, I wanted to mimic all of it, right? I want to make sure that I'm doing the right stuff. What I found was a lot of successful people are very, very open-minded to helping people that are willing to help themselves. So if you're out there and you're willing to take a chance on yourself, if you're willing to surrender yourself and say, I'm not, you know, I'm not everything in a bag of potato chips or, or, and I know that, but I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to be coachable. I'm willing to be mentored. I I would love to be an apprentice and you reach out to a successful person, whether it be in your hometown, whether it be in your state, whether it be someone that you follow on YouTube or, um, you know, that person most likely will respond back. And they will, if, uh, you know, as, as long as the timing is okay for them, they will figure out if you, if you're willing, they will answer your questions and they will offer a solution for you. And they will, maybe it might not be them, but they might have someone in their group that said, Hey, you know, I love you reaching out. Thank you so much. I appreciate you willing to take a chance on yourself. Like a lot of, that's a huge misconception. They think that people who are successful, like, oh, that person would never want to take the time and teach me. That person would, you know, they would never, little old me, oh, I would never get that person's attention. I I could never do what he does. (laughs) But it's quite the opposite. When you're successful, like when you're truly successful and you're a good person, you actually look for people that you can help. And oh, I, I started noticing that I'm like, and, and it really, when you're like with the big, big guys or girls or, you know, there's not a lot of people that feel like they can be coachable to someone super, super successful like that. And so they don't do anything. They, they just, they don't take a chance. They're just like, Oh, you know, I'll just go back to my job because uh, it's just my comfort zone. And it's, it's crazy to me. Like if you have the resource, I mean, find a creative way to take that person out to lunch or call that person or send them an email or send them a little video or, or get, get in front of that person and say, Hey, I really like you. I, I've been following you. I've been doing this. I love what you're doing. I love your family. I love everything about you. Like, would you mind possibly spending like 10 minutes on the phone with me once a week or once a month? Or, and I guarantee you, if you do that, that person eventually will say, wow, I really respect your ambition. I, I respect you wanting to take a chance on yourself. Like, yeah, I'll figure out a way. Yeah, we'll make it happen. And, mm-hmm. and you'd be surprised. And, and, that, and the key aspect, though, of being able to get that door open is making sure that they know you're not coming after their wallet. Yeah. You're coming to add possibly to their wallet and, or that you're, if you're asking a question, get to the point, you know. Right don't pitch them a sale either, you know, but get to the point with what you're asking about, be specific, you know, and they might be able to jump on the phone with you and drop $3 million worth of knowledge in five or 10 minutes, answer your question. And then you're able to turn around and just run with that for months, if not years afterwards. 
it's it's about how you approach exactly it's about mindset too it's about mindset um (laughs) there's a story uh really quick there's a story uh about two shoemakers and it says two shoemakers travel to a third world country the first shoemaker calls you know lands in third world country looks at everyone notices no one's wearing shoes calls his wife and says honey it's pretty disappointing trip. I'm going to be home later, later tonight. Um, no one's wearing shoes. Like, you know, my, my business has no purpose here. And then the second shoemaker does the same thing. He calls his wife. He says, honey, you're never going to believe it. You get on, get on the next plane here. We're going to be here for years. No one's wearing shoes. We're going to sell everybody's shoes. And the idea is we're all presented with opportunities and we're all presented with obstacles. And the difference is, is how we embrace them and how our perception is of them and how our perception is of ourself. And, oh, but yeah, to, to marry onto that, that's why having a positive mindset, having an open mind, you know, not being closed, not being negative makes all the difference in the world. Because when opportunities present, if you're in a positive headspace, you can recognize the opportunity. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, yeah. So let's wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody wants to find you, they're inspired by you. I, I always am. That's why I love talking to you. Um, <laughs> but say somebody wants to reach out and find you, where, where can they reach out and find you Bobby. Um, the easiest, the easiest part is probably Facebook. Um, I'm all over Facebook. Uh, you can find me at Bobby Barajas, B-O-B-B-Y. Last name is B-A-R-A-J-A-S. I am Hispanic, half Hispanic. Yes, you're not reading that wrong. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But yeah, go find me, friend me. Um, I love meeting people, especially new people. I love hearing stories. I love making best friends. I love adding value to people. That's that's really what gets me going. And so um, I'm also on Instagram. Find me on Instagram. I think it's... uh, Bobby Barajas one, all one word. Um, and yeah, I mean, send me a message. Um, I would give my phone out right here, but I made that mistake sometime and I get weird. <laughs> I get weird, uh, whatever. So find me, find me, reach out to me, send me a message. If you want to connect, I'd love to give you my phone number through there and make sure that you're a real person. And you'd be surprised how many people from different countries like have fake profiles and I'm sure you come across that stuff too, but it's, it's yeah, crazy. No, not at all. Not surprised. <laughs> but yeah, reach out if you're listening to this and, and uh, yeah, I'd love to get to know you. And, and you know, it's not like a, Hey, uh, you know, either you're going to join my network marketing business. You're going to join my 3d photography business. You're going to do Bitcoin with me. You're going to do stock market. You're going to do invest. Like, like if, if you just want to, uh, you just want a friend and you just want to, you know, I just love having, I have a bunch of friends too that don't do business, which is perfectly fine. So I just love connecting with people. So Perfect. Beautiful. Bobby, thank you so much for your time today. And I so appreciate this. And I do need to finish a conversation that you and I started before that I haven't paid enough time to. And that's all me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining me today here. Thank you so much for having me. It was it was a pleasure. I always love our conversation. So it's kind of cool to record one of them and kind of see if it adds value to anyone. I'm sure people get value from your uh, podcast all the time. You do an incredible job. So uh, I'm it's super exciting listening to you. And so hopefully uh, us teaming up together will will add some value to some people. 
Oh, absolutely it will. That's why I don't need to touch base with you later. All right. So you have a beautiful, wonderful day. Thank you again for being here. Yep. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. See ya. Wow, there's so much going on there with Bobby Barajas. You, (laughs) if you've made it this far, thank you very much. But if you can tell by the power and energy and passion that he puts forth, that Bobby is definitely just hammering his game and he's doing beautiful things. So reach out, get in touch with him. He showed you where, told you how, and... Share this episode. Get it out to his friends, your friends. Heck, even give it to somebody you don't like. Find me on my social media. You can find me under Raven Rising and Agave Sun International. I'm always open to you harassing me. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Then, <laughs> like I always say, if you find me on Tumblr, what the hell are you doing over there? All right, everybody, you can get onto the Anchor app. You can leave voice messages. You can send me text messages. It's something I would love to have you guys do. So, coming back around, Bobby Barajas, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. Beautiful man, beautiful, and so glad that I had you as a guest thanks again everybody <laughs>